0: And this is the biggest wake-up call to SaaS founders. Nobody cares about your tech. Nobody cares about the hours you put into it. Nobody cares about how smart you are. They want the ripple effect from your SaaS. And if you get that, you're unstoppable. But if you're the guy shouting from the rooftops, how awesome your tech is, they don't care.
1: We are back with another episode of the Cold Star Project. The podcast about the unexpected challenges of scaling. Uh, today we have Stephen Lowitz who runs a company called 21leap and I wanted to have him on for a while. I, I think I've known about you. We've been connected for about, I don't know, eight months, a year, something like that, somewhere in there. Sounds right. Um, and uh, you know, I've, I've had a pretty good idea of what you do with, with sales teams and igniting software as a service firms that are Kind of, they, it seems to me like the idea is there. They've got proof of concept, and then you come in and you pour gasoline all over the thing and and uh, really get it going. But uh, I'd rather have you say what it is that uh, that Twenty One Leaf does.
0: Yeah, so I work with uh, SaaS companies primarily between one to ten million that are looking to scale up their revenue, uh, and I do sales training, consulting, and outsourcing. So we'll go in and and fix up somebody's team processes, train them, so on and so forth, or we use our own tools, technology, manpower, experience, et cetera, et cetera, to literally be the full end-to-end sales suite.
1: Right, oh, so okay, let's define that a little more because there's a lot of business owners out there who are just like, hey, I, I want more sales, right? So when you say sales <laughs> suite, let's, let's build the container for that. What does that mean?
0: It's as if you had your own sales team. So just like if it was your own team, yeah, it takes a little time to ramp up. It's not going to be sales instantaneously. But for example, we use our own uh, instance, uh, uh, CRM instance, and we give our clients access, uh, obviously somewhat limited access to segregate all the data, uh, but they see a sales manager dashboard. We use our own uh, lead generation tools, scrapers, AI tools. It's us getting on the phone and it's not just lead generation. We go end to end, we loop our prospects in if it's a very technical conversation, but our target isn't to just drive leads, it's to drive actual legitimate revenue.
1: Okay. So you are helping establish software as a service firms at that million dollar level and up, but do you outsource the entire sales team under your umbrella? People outsource it to me. Yes. 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 Okay. Yeah.
0: A, a to Z. That's why I say the entire sales suite. Okay. You don't have to pay for the, the tech, the manpower, anything. That's all under our umbrella. Okay.
1: Now I ran a third party closing as a service business uh, with with the co-founder for a couple of years um, for high ticket coaching, training, info product offers, that kind of thing. Uh, so I know what's involved in that and how you have to keep on the salespeople, right? You can't, you can't let them do whatever they want, <laughs> they need monitoring. And so in your CRM and that, how are you going about that?
0: So I, I fully agree that it needs a lot of monitoring. So a couple of things, uh, cause there's a lot of checks and balances that need to be put in place, I agree. But I also do give my team quite a bit of liberty as well. We meet every single day mm-hmm. for, it, it, it could be five or 10 minutes or it could be 30 minutes if it's a little lengthier, but we meet every single day. We're all over the U.S. so we pick a time that's obviously uh, uh, time zone, you know, effective for everybody. That's number one. Number two, I look at everybody's, uh, we, it's Salesforce. We have a very complex setup or, or instance of Salesforce. I look at everybody's dashboard every single day and I can segment it based on, all of our clients are in one instance, but like I said, it's segregated based on each client. So if you're a client of mine, I'm giving you a login, you can only see your data. I can see everybody, so I can see, okay, this individual is is kicking ass. I hope I can say that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> this individual is kicking ass across the board. Uh, we're doing well with our clients, but maybe we need to increase our pipeline on the 21 Leap side itself. I can see everything in one spot, whereas the way that we used to do it was all the data was segregated mm-hmm. uh, into individual CRMs. That was an absolute nightmare. So. Yeah. It's actually really easy. And then since we all use Slack, we use Zoom. I mean, it's really easy to still have that team-oriented environment, but we can get more effective by having specialists all around the country uh, for time zone purposes. You know, I, I have a guy closer to Silicon Valley. I'm in Detroit. I have Myrtle Beach of all places. It's all over the board. So we can be the most effective team possible.
1: Okay. So that answers that question. The next thing that that hops up to me is uh, like when we were taking over client sales, usually it was the founder doing a lot of the the selling up to the point where they engaged us in your situation they 're at a million dollars plus, so they probably have one, two, three, four salespeople already. What does it take in terms of like guts and commitment and all that for them to give up having that in their organization and handing it off to you
0: so let me back up for a second. The yeah. majority of our clients are between the $1 to $10 million mark. We do work with clients that may, maybe they're somewhat funded. Maybe it's just a lean organization and they have the profitability because I, I, I'm not the cheapest. I'm not outsourcing to India. Um, so you, you have to take that into account. So we do work with some founders where, yeah, they they don't want to do sales anymore or let's face it, they're very, very technical. They're good at it they're not good at sales. Right. I, I'm overgeneralizing, but that's often the case. I work with really techie guys because I myself will never build anything a day in my life. I want to work with guys that can't sell but build really cool shit. Now with that being said, um, in terms of commitment for, let, let's say somebody's doing three million bucks in revenue, they have a sales team, a couple of things normally happen. At the end of the day, nobody should be paying me for outsource sales for the next like 48 months. It's more of let's work with you for 12, 18, maybe 24 months and I'm going to prove that I can out, outperform your team. I'm going to outperform them in every way, use all of my technology, have it completely segmented and then you're going to pay me to come train your team. So that's actually the, the lead in. It's not let me come replace all of your team. It's let me add revenue. You're already making money. You're already doing okay. Let me add a significant amount of revenue. And show you what an actually trained team with the right processes can do
1: okay that's clear. what are some other symptoms or indicators that there is a problem with uh, with the saAS company's sales process?
0: Oh, this is really easy i don't care what your revenue is. if your conversion rates are down below fifty percent for qual- sales qualified leads okay. you suck. Hmm. <laughs> And, and I say that really flippantly, and I can appreciate that most salespeople don't actually have real sales training. They don't have maybe even sales experience. It doesn't matter. There's too many SaaS companies where if I give them 10 demos, they're going to close two. And they're, and they're sales qualified leads. They have the cash. They're only going to close two. That is atrocious. That means 80% of your time by default is a complete and utter waste. So th- that that's the biggest thing. People are so focused on the, on the number of leads and the number of meetings, but not as many people are talking about closing and closing like a real closer, not closing like a nerdy tech guy trying to play dress up. And again, I say this very flippantly. I can actually appreciate that they're smarter than me in most cases. I'm not the brightest bulb in the shed, which is why I'm in sales. But that to me is just glaringly obvious. If your conversion rates are under 50%, if you're literally wasting more than 50% of your time. Something's wrong.
1: Okay. That qualification is the big section that that I am interested in and have been teaching people uh, on since 2010 in the sales training area. Uh, And it makes the closing side so much easier. So I'm going to tennis, hit that back over the net, (laughs) back at you. Uh, You're talking about qualified leads. What does that mean to you? How do you define that?
0: Somebody that has cash and is, interested it doesn't mean they're dying for your product this second and oh my gosh you're everything i ever wanted no that's like that's a closed deal that's not a lead a lead is somebody that has money and their their interest is peaked it doesn't mean that they have a need you have to tell them why it's a need why it's not just a, a commodity but a necessity that's your job but if they're coming and saying okay share some info with me whether that's because of outbound sales tactics or inbound that to me is a sales qualified lead.
1: Okay, and clearly at some point you figured out that you needed to control the, the tap, the spigot on that lead generation process and bring that in house. All right, how, how did that happen?
0: What, what Can you clarify?
1: Because, okay, if you're waiting around for your clients to send you enough leads, you're probably ah. not gonna get enough, right? which is the thing that that I've experienced myself.
0: So I I have a couple of clients where they they feed us all of their inbound leads. Um, A perfect example is either A, they don't have a sales team, or B, I work with a lot of European firms. The the US, obviously, and Europe are are the two domains that I play in. Hmm. When Europeans have US prospects and they're not closing them, they'll often just send the leads over my way, I'll go close them, or, or my team will close them for them. It's not to say that we don't do sales in Europe. That's just one example of why we would get inbound leads. But I'm assuming when I start working with somebody, unless the conversation is very different, I'm assuming I have to go be the hunter and the farmer. Now, I was trained in outbound sales. That's of no issue. It becomes a matter, and this is one of the things that I harp on a lot if you're on my social media or whatever, um, or if you've seen me speak, you'll know that I'm a huge proponent of personalized automation. If you find the fine line between personalization and automation, the job of sales is really easy. Hmm. So I I, I plan on generating my own leads. We do lead generation. The difference is we're going to take that through to the end. Unlike a traditional lead gen firm.
1: Okay. Okay. I discovered that we needed to control the flow of leads ourselves, rather than wait on the, the client to do it, because they could not come up with the volume on their own. They didn't yep. know how. They were very good at what they did, in terms of fulfillment, but <laughs> they were not experts at, at lead generation. I'm very yep. interested in what you say about uh, that fine line between automation and personalization. Tell us more about that, because that is a apparently an area of expertise for you. I want to hear more about it.
0: So I'm all about scalability. My background was I started doing uh, inside, you know, cold calling, smiling and dialing sales when I was about 17. Make long story short, I did really well. Uh, I actually, sucked at first, but I, uh, I figured some things out. The problem is I was tapped out. So I did about just shy of 1.1 million at 19 years old. The problem is I had zero more time in the day because everything I was doing was hundred percent manual. And what I realized is that I could develop the relationships that other people couldn't, you know, the keyboard warriors that are afraid to get on the phone. I could develop those relationships and I had sales skills, but I had no idea about technology. So I spent a ton of money over $150,000 and time, countless hours, trying to figure out where do I automate? Where do I automate, but it can't come off as spam? And really, the answer is quite simple. If I have a list of 1,000 people, they're all going to have very, very different pain points. A You're going to have a different pain point than the founder of a, a of a 500 ARR SaaS who's going to have different pain points than the $5 million uh, SaaS that has a head of sales, right? mm mm-hmm. I can't just focus on the problem that you're experiencing. I need to focus on the pain associated with the problem. I'm, I'm going to be dramatic here. This is not how I word my emails, but I'm going to be dramatic. If you are a founder that is doing, let's, let's say you're at the million dollar mark, you're stressed out, like absolutely stressed out. You, you've kind of come over the hump. Maybe you have a little funding. You've come over the hump of like, obviously you have product validation or market validation, whatever you want to call it you have something solid, but now you're so eager to drive and scale your vision to the marketplace. Well, the problem is you need more revenue, okay? That, that's a given. The pain that you're feeling is the stress when you go home because you can't stop thinking about work, whether it's good or bad. Or you're the broke founder, let's say. The problem is you need more revenue, the pain is actually you're stressed out because you don't know if you can make payroll, you're spending all hours of the night trying to grow your business, your health is suffering, and heck, maybe even your marriages if you're married. Like. Again, I'm, I'm not wording this in an email, but when I recognize that this person has different pain points than the next, I segment based on persona. If I have a list of 1,000 people, I wanna get probably 10 lists of 100 and send those people automated emails with a custom message specifically for that pain point. And most people would take a list of 1,000 mm-hmm. and just blast. And that's why they royally suck.
1: <clears throat> Makes sense, yeah, so and I wanna point out to, to our listeners that Stephen here is willing to do that segmentation work, which is not something yeah. a SaaS organization usually wants to bother with, right? <laughs> and so they're busy. If they are doing any uh, marketing at all, they're filtering for that one thing. Also want to point out about the second and third order consequences, which are the pain points that you're looking at. It's not the thing that's so apparent. It's the stuff behind the thing or that it causes. That is the pain that the folks are experiencing.
0: Let's get really practical. Ask why three times. Right. Why does this matter? Okay. Why does that matter? It's really simple.
1: Right. And, yeah. And, and hardly anyone wants to do that uh, In in my own <laughs> business, sometimes to get business owners and their people to just go and talk to the customer and ask questions is the hardest thing in the world. And it's, uh, it's odd. I don't know why people are like that. I would rather know than not know.
0: He, here's the Sounds biggest like have an answer. <laughs> he, he, here's the, well, he, the one thing that I would add is, and this is the biggest wake up call to SaaS founders. Nobody cares about your tech. Nobody cares about the hours you put into it. Nobody cares about how smart you are. They want the ripple effect from your SAS. And if you get that, you're unstoppable. But if you're the guy shouting from the rooftops how awesome your tech is, they don't care. For example, AI gets really, really complex. I can't understand it. I, in in uh, college, which I'm a college dropout, by the way. So like I said, I'm not the smartest guy. Did well in sales. Wanted to work for myself. And since I don't require a degree, I figured, what the hell? But in college, I had one semester where I thought I was going to go into information assurance because I like technology. Basically, cybersecurity. I took one Java class and had to pay a bunch of outsourcers to do all my work. <laughs> I'm not smart enough to go code things, but I can communicate the value, the right. ripple effect that's going to come through from that. It doesn't matter if you have AI. That's a buzzword. It doesn't matter. What's the ripple effect?
1: Right. Yeah. Hardly anyone out there knows what AI means. And I don't just mean what the initials stand for. I mean what it is and what it can do in that. And they don't care. People don't buy features and benefits. That I've been saying this as a copywriter for 20 years. They don't, they don't care whether the thing is green or blue or three inches long or three miles long. They don't care. What they want is that pain solved, that problem gotten rid of.
0: It, and everybody wants to call their product, you know, AI. You know, it has yeah. AI capabilities. In reality, is there AI out there? Sure. IBM Watson, great example. They have legitimate AI. If you look at most companies, it's not AI. It's a bunch of really fancy if-then statements.
1: Right. Right. Yep. <laughs> that's not it's not AI. It's routines and checks and decision trees. Yeah. It's nothing Nothing complicated. So now that we've <laughs> pooped all over the SaaS <laughs> founders and made them feel really great. I,
0: I love SaaS, by <laughs> the way. Yep. I, yep. I, that's so the do I. only domain that I play in.
1: Hmm. I, I've interviewed a ton of. Uh, Founders and and uh, service <laughs> providers in the in the field. However, you guys do tend to get caught up in your own brilliant BS, right? It's 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 not as amazing as you think it is, or maybe it is in your head, in your world. But to the rest of everybody else, the people who will actually be using your uh, products or services, you need someone like Steven here to translate that into what really matters for the target market.
0: Yeah. I, again, I. I realize that this conversation has been a little pessimistic, <laughs> uh, dr- driven by what I've said. But I love SaaS. It's it's obviously where everything is moving. I mean, who, who uses mm-hmm. besides enterprises? Who uses on premise anything? And even then, they're typically in the cloud and SaaS and yeah. so on and so forth. I love it. It's just too many SaaS companies are going out of business because they suck at actually communicating their vision. They're just good at building things. So I get really fired up because I don't want to see those guys go out of business. I truly want them to succeed. I come from a small business family. I own my own business. I feel for them. So I get fired up.
1: Cool. Uh, What other signals are there that somebody should approach you? What, What would make it a good fit?
0: If you have really ambitious goals, targets, goals, whatever you want to call them, if you have really ambitious goals and you don't want to bring on all of the sales staff yourself, yeah, then I'm probably your go-to, and I help you scale up, and and then we call it good once you're scaled up. If you want to add the minimum that I that justifies the cost of paying me, the bare minimum is going to be 1.2 million in the course of 12 months. If you want to scale at least 1.2 million, and that could be you know 12 million, 10x it. That's what I want to focus on and I take on all of the costs for you. On the training and consulting side, it really comes down to are your conversion rates good? Do your people know how to sell? And here's a really good indicator. Do you make them read a script or or do you trust them to actually sell? If you don't trust them to sell, you either have the wrong person or what's actually more likely is they're not trained and given the right resources and tools in the right way. So those would be the two main indicators other than just strictly does your conversion rate suck or is it awesome?
1: Right. And uh, yeah, I need folks to understand. You cannot just hire a high ticket closer or or a 1099 salesperson and stick them in a corner like a potted plant or a cactus and water them with leads and hope that they're going to turn out. It doesn't work that way. They get off track mentally, they go into slumps and, two weeks could go by before you even know that they're in a slump and you've lost all the dollars invested in those leads and the possible sales that could come out of it.
0: Yeah. The, the worst thing that you can do, and I've seen companies do this and I actually did this myself way early on. Don't hire a part-time salesperson. Hmm. Don't, yeah. especially if they're doing full life cycle sales you're never going to see the results that you want. The way that we do it is, is we have pods associated with a group of clients, so that you know if somebody's sick, we already have a fill-in; they're already up to speed, so on and so forth. But all the work, all the work is segmented, so we cover it. But if you're a small business just trying to get on by, you know th- this is the pre precursor to before you work with me. Do not go hire somebody for ten hours a week at hundred dollars an hour to go close your deals. It's not going to work out. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. They're not going to be focused or emotionally committed. They can't be because they're going to be always looking for their next meal ticket. Right. (laughs) And that's, that's somewhere else. So yeah, definitely full time. And also I think founders, a lot of founders, I mean, I've been concerned about hiring people for a long time, like interested in that. And I've been a a manager who has hired people in that. And the statistics are like you would have a better chance of pulling a good candidate, his name out of a hat than um, hiring them based on what you thought was good. We'll, we will get fooled in an interview situation. Uh, the person will present well. They'll, I'm very good at interviewing. I, I've been a great interviewee and I've gotten, I've talked myself into jobs I probably shouldn't have gotten because of the honesty. Yeah, well, it's true. And, and, you know, it usually lasts less than a year, right, in that situation. And that's no good for for either of us, right, in that situation. So having somebody who's more uh, inundated with it, more familiar with it, more able to spot the, the check factors, right, what's important here and what is the underlying stuff that we need to look for? Like Stephen is a, is a better choice than doing it yourself. Trust me, <laughs> because hiring people is one of the most expensive decisions you'll make.
0: The the first service uh, that I ever sold, other than like going way back in you know lawns and landscaping, hmm. uh, you know in high school and whatnot. The first job that I had was selling talent acquisition services, basically recruitment consulting, not just headhunting. That was that was a small piece of it, but Recruitment consulting for guys like Citrix and ESPN and Intuit, those were my clients. Even they suck it at, at recruiting the, the best salespeople. It, it's awful. Past performance is not a direct indicator of future performance. You're selling a different product, you're selling a different service. Are they selling a different persona? You don't have to find somebody that can, that's already done exactly what you're doing because then the question becomes, why aren't they working for your competitor? But we get too caught up in what somebody has done. I don't care if you've sold $10 million in the last 24 months. It's really about personality, ambition. Can you kind of jive with the same kind of prospect that I'm working with? I don't deal anymore with really, really uptight, for example, New Yorkers in the financial services sector Uh, at at the fortune 500 level new york life insurance used to be a great client that's a very very different personality than the tech guy in california smoking some pot and flip-flops and shorts i'm being very flippant about it but you got to figure out who's going to jive with that personality that persona not just well they tell me that they did like a million dollars last year i don't have any way to prove it and you're never going to but it doesn't matter will they match up personality wise All Right.
1: yeah it's, it's too easy to get taken in and that um that contrarian sort of caveat that you said there about past performance does not indicate future performance that's the opposite of what a standard hr maxim is right the standard hr maxim is past or future performance is predicted by past uh, performance and I agree with you that that um, that is flawed that is wrong and especially in sales because you take something like drive and it has no meaning right like my accountant can be very driven but (laughs) it has nothing to do with sales right and and the environment that the salesperson is in I've been in some terrible environments and it wasn't the marketplace that I'm talking about I'm talking about the company that I worked for and the, and the people I worked for, the individuals were, were not good. Right? They were not supportive. They didn't understand what was going on and uh, moved to a different organization in a different environment and the performance goes way up. So there's a lot more to look at.
0: What, what one of the easiest questions to spot a bullshitter, <laughs> what one is one time that you, what, what's the main reason that you previously exceeded your quota and a lot of And and you can do the the contrarian question too, which is what, talk to me about a time where you actually failed to meet quota. What you'll often get is, well, I didn't really have a quota. I was just kind of told to sell. And then I didn't really track anything. You know, maybe I used Salesforce a little bit, but if they're not metrics or data driven, they're not a very good salesperson. Hmm. Like Period. Even when I was brought up by old-school sales guys, and that's how I learned how to sell on the phone, it was very, very data-driven. Are you closing X percent of your deals? Why are you closing those deals? Yeah, it was basically, well, I sent out enough manual emails that were pitched like this, this, or this, but you have to be data-driven. So a sales guy that doesn't like data is full of shit.
1: Hmm. <laughs> I, I have uh, constantly instructed salespeople that they are running a mini business within a business and that they need to be tracking the leads like unqualified leads the qualified leads and the sales that they're getting and and take control over those numbers just like you are with your organization you're not dependent on your clients for those leads being poured into the system right you've taken control over it and said fine I'm gonna have the choice of how many I dump in there
0: that there's one requirement though to actually put that into practice pay your salespeople as if they were running their own business I'm not talking about a huge huge base yeah if you're paying your sales guy 20 grand or 30 grand yeah you should probably increase their base I'm not talking about paying somebody a hundred thousand dollars though on a base are they compensated for deals close My, the the core team that actually sells 21 leap services they can easily exceed 150 to 200K in the first 12 months because I compensate them the best that I possibly can because if they're getting paid 200 grand, do the math, I'm making it out okay pretty well as well. Right. That's how mo- more sales found- or excuse me, SaaS founders need to-, to look at it. Sales isn't a necessary evil. It is your business. Compensate them. You should want them to get bonuses and extra commission. Obviously, they need to earn it, but you want to be in their court saying, you go, you make $100,000 in your first six months for all I care. You go make a quarter of a million dollars, because how much does that mean that you're making?
1: Right. Yeah. And you have to understand the numbers of your business. So, as Stephen has said, it's not good enough just to be a SaaS founder and be able to put Lego pieces together. Lots of people can do that. (laughs) <laughs> if you're yep. focused on that and not revenue generation, you're probably not going to survive very long and having Stephen on your side is going to help out there. How can people get a hold of you, Steven? Where can they go to find out more information and, and see if they're a fit?
0: 21leap.com or if you want to email me directly, uh, it's Steven, Stevens with a PH at 21leap.com. That's the digits, two, one, not, not spelled out, 21leap.com. Uh, but I'm also on social media, LinkedIn, Facebook et cetera
1: right, right, yeah, you do quite a few uh Facebook lives kind of snippets of the day sort of things and I, you
0: can... I, not lately i've yeah, I've yeah. been grinded, man, not lately, but i uh, i I try to stay as consistent as I can
1: yeah well, very good. Is there anything that we missed that you would like to get across to listeners
0: the The one thing that if anybody if if you can only take away one thing it would be your product doesn't sell itself. You have to communicate a vision. Somebody made a million dollars off of the pet rock. Right. I don't know if that was internationally or if that was just in the US, but they literally like drew smiley faces and crap on a rock, put it in a cardboard box and made over a million dollars. You can sell anything as long as you can communicate the value. They weren't solving a problem by selling a pet rock. They were identifying with the pain that parents were experiencing by not getting their little kid uh, or toddler a real pet. Well, they came up with a solution to the pain. You should be just as excited, if not more excited, about sales and revenue and closing deals as you are about building technology. You don't have to be as good at it. Go pay people, whether it's me or you build your own sales team. It doesn't matter. Go pay people to do it, but be just as excited about that and invest just as much into sales as you are your actual tech.
1: Awesome. All right, my guest today has been Stephen Lowitz of 21 Leap. Appreciate you being here.
0: Thank you.